Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches today, Blountstown, Chipley, and Mariana. Today, we are wrapping up our series that's been entitled The Last King. But before we jump into today's talk, I want to share an opportunity and a celebration with you. So when you came in today, there was a QR code that was on the back of the chair that was in front of you, unless you're sitting on one of the front rows at your campus, there was a card with a QR code on it, because one of our values as a church is that we maximize time, energy, and resources. So what's happened is most of you, you're already starting to use our digital platforms a whole lot more than our printed material. So in order to be great stewards of the resources that God blesses us with, the QR code will take you to a whole new world of opportunity and give you the same resources that you're already using just at your fingertips. And it's gonna save our church tens of thousands of dollars over this next year that we can be using for ministry rather than printing stuff on paper that nobody is going to be using. So if you scan the QR code, you can go ahead and do that. Just go to your camera and you can scan the QR code. It's gonna bring up a menu that looks something like this. So on this menu, you can click on here and you can connect with us. You can fill out the connect card. You can share any prayer requests with us on that. You can share any next steps that you want to take. Or you can even find a link to download our app and have easy access to all of our talk notes um, that you, in fact, on the talk notes, we have everything that I'm going to put on the screen on there already. So you can just take notes um, in between those sections that are already filled out for you. Uh, you can see the weekly giving um, you can have access to other great um, resources like Ramsey Plus and Right Now Media, which are just amazing tools that you can use as a family or as an individual just to kind of help you in your financial world. But also the Right Now Media is just this library of videos that are for children all the way through adults. And it's just great resources at your fingertips to help you in your spiritual growth. And every week, anything that we are saying, hey, here's something that we're promoting um, for you to be a part of or we're gonna, um, or invite people to be, uh, part of. It's going to be at the top of this list every week whenever we say, hey, uh, for example, uh, you just heard on all of your campus that Costume Jam is a great opportunity. It absolutely is a great opportunity for you to invite unchurched families to be with you. And if you go to this link, if you scan the QR code at the top, there'll be Costume Jam and you can click on that and there's a digital invite that you can send to the families or the friends that you want to invite to be with you on that day. So as I said, there's just all these opportunities you're going to see at your fingertips. And so we just want you to get familiar with it. And for those of you that are with us and you love paper, I get that. Because as I told you last week, I've got slow thumbs as well. So for the next week or so, we're going to still have some seats, uh, notes on your seats. But after everybody's pretty much aware of this opportunity, what's going to happen is we're going to take all those paper notes, we're going to take the connect cards, and they're going to be on the back wall by the giving boxes at your campuses. So our goal in this whole process is to serve all of you well while making sure that we are making the most of the resources that God provides our church very wisely. And so if you have any questions, we would love to answer them. Stop by the gallery or in your lobby on your way out, and our team there would love to serve you and help you understand how you can use that QR code and how it can benefit you and all the resources there just at your fingertip. All right, so just let me just thank you so much for being a church um, that absolutely um, continues to move forward um, and keep us in the 21st century and also maximize resources so that we can do ministry. Now, the other thing I want to thank you for is that you are a church that is for other people. So two weeks ago, we invited everybody to give $4, right? And we were going to give that to the fire departments in our communities. And this is what you did. 
So Chipley, you gave $596 to the Chipley Fire Department. Bluntstown, you gave $1,139 to Bluntstown Fire Department, Bristol Fire Department, Alpha Volunteer Fire Department, Magnolia Volunteer Fire Department, Nella Ridge Volunteer Fire Department. So you did a, you hit a lot of people. That's amazing. And then not only that, but Mariana, you gave $2,596 to Jackson County Fire Department, Mariana Fire Department, Alford, Compass Lake, Grand Ridge, and Malone. Yeah, so go ahead at all of our campuses, celebrate that, because here are some pictures of those being delivered. And I just want to go ahead and say, uh, man, I have had so many people from the different fire departments come and say, we are so grateful, we are so appreciative for what you've done because it's benefited us in different ways. So thanks again, because as followers of Jesus, I just believe that we should, as a church should be known for no strings attached love and generosity because that's what our leader, Jesus, is known for, right? For being for others. So uh, once again, go ahead and celebrate that. All right, on all of our campuses, yeah, yeah. All right, so go ahead and grab your Bibles and uh, anything you're gonna take notes on and let's dive into today's conversation by looking at what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What is the cost when it comes to following Jesus? Because as I said earlier, today is the final week in our whole series, The Last King. And if you don't remember anything else from this series of conversations we've had for the last five weeks, I really hope you'll remember these two statements. The first statement is this. Jesus is the king who came to reverse the order of everything. And because Jesus is the king who came to reverse the order of everything, this second statement is so important for us to remember as well. And that is this. While we get to choose whether we follow Jesus, we don't get to choose how we follow Jesus. In other words, once you choose to follow Jesus, you're embracing him as more than just savior, forgiver, and friend. You're embracing Jesus as your king. And this is why one of the most important questions that you can ask yourself about Jesus is this question. When we read about Jesus, we see him with authority, but the real question is, do we see him as our authority? Now, here's why this question is so essential for us to process. Because see, while many of us, we say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, most of us, we don't necessarily want to follow Jesus as our king. We want to get just enough of Jesus to get us through, to get us by, to give us what we need for the moment. We want the comfort of Jesus, the Savior, the forgiver, the friend. And when life is tough, we want all that Jesus has to offer. But when we want to do our own thing, not so much Jesus. Jesus, you just park over here for a little bit and let me do my own thing. And the reality is what most of us who say we want to follow Jesus really are all about is we want all the benefits of being part of the kingdom of God without recognizing Jesus as the king of that kingdom. Because as we've said throughout this whole series, it's one thing to believe in someone, it's another thing to make the commitment to surrender and submit to following someone. Now here's what I know. We're all tempted to dodge or evade this question. We're all tempted to dodge or evade admitting and treating Jesus as Lord or King in our lives. You know why? Because once we do, we kind of intuitively know, if I ever admit that Jesus is king of my life, Lord of my life, it's going to cost me something. 
It's going to cost time. It's going to cost money. It's even going to cost us opportunities. In fact, we will have to say no to things that we would generally maybe say yes to. You see, as we've said before, salvation is free. It costs me nothing. But following Jesus will cost me everything. In other words, as we've said, salvation is free. It's a gift from God. There's no way that I can earn a relationship with God. It is a free gift. Forgiveness and the invitation to be part of God's family through grace by faith alone in Jesus, it is absolutely a gift that costs me nothing. Jesus paid the price for that. But once you choose to follow Jesus, because he is our Messiah, because he's our King, because he's our Lord, because he's our Christ, it's going to cost you something. Now, the good news is the cost, it doesn't need to alarm us. Because we've learned over this series of conversations that following Jesus is this process of growth over time and trusting Jesus more and more. So if we're following, we're trusting and we're growing in our obedience to Jesus more and more all along the way. In fact, in week one, we discovered that following Jesus, it involves a series of steps. And we look at the example of the steps from the story of Jesus calling Peter and Andrew and James and John. And he said, I want you to come follow me. But there was a series of steps. They didn't abandon their business immediately. But with each step, especially at the beginning of following, here's the thing we need to all understand as we launch out on this following journey with Jesus. We all experience internal resistance. We all experience internal resistance when it comes to following Jesus because with each step, Jesus is going to invite you to die to yourself, to deny yourself and follow him. And every time he gives you that invitation to die to yourself a little bit more, deny yourself a little bit more, it's going to cause some internal resistance. And some of you, you know what I'm talking about. It's that fear of, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to lose something valuable. It's that worry that if I trust in Jesus completely, it's going to cost me something that I love. It's a concern that if I truly sell out to follow Jesus, then there's some things that are going to have to change. And you're absolutely right. When you choose to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something. And there are some things that are going to have to change. There is a price that you will have to pay. Now, here's the thing that I know. When you come to that place in your life, that crossroad in your life, where the price is greater than you thought it would be, that is where you discover whether you're a follower of Jesus or just a fan of Jesus. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or just a consumer looking for some self-improvement tips. Now, just to clarify, self-improvement, it asks this question. How can following Jesus make things better for me? But truly following Jesus as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, it asks this question. How is following Jesus changing me and impacting me? How is it transforming me to be more like Christ? So if you got your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along today. And I invite you into a conversation that we're going to be looking at in Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, 
we get this statement that absolutely helps us understand how God wants to transform our lives, but it also helps us understand at a whole other level that Jesus is absolutely the king who came to reverse the order of everything. So let me kind of give you a little bit of background for our conversation from Mark chapter 8. One day, Jesus has this large crowd of people that are following him, and he realizes, you know, this crowd of people, they've been following me for a while, and they're just kind of along for the ride. They, they are spectators. They're consumers. Now, here's the truth about that. Before we get too judgmental about that, almost everybody that I know, including myself, we all start following Jesus for how it can benefit us, for how it can benefit us and what, what we can get from following Jesus. And Jesus knows that this crowd of people, they've been following him for a little bit, and they haven't moved past being a fan or a spectator or a consumer. And Jesus knows that's a growth issue. That's a maturity issue. So Jesus challenges them to move from a spectator to a follower, from a fan of Jesus to a fully devoted follower. And to do that, he starts with his closest disciples. So I want you to notice this conversation in Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 27. Here's what it says. Jesus and his disciples were on the, or went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? Now, here's the thing. I don't recommend you asking that question at lunch today unless you're really brave. You may not like what you hear from the people around you. You might even realize, hey, nobody's even talking about me, Right? But Jesus knew that there's this buzz going on around about him, and he wanted his disciples to think through how people viewed him. And so they answer him in verse 28. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. So as Jesus kind of already knew, there's all these ideas floating around about who people thought that he was. So the disciples say, well, some people think that you're like this special rabbi. Other people think like you're this prophet sent from God. And then Jesus, he gets really, really personal with them. Notice what he says in verse 29. But what do you think, he asked? Who do you say I am? And without a pause, Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Now, this statement that Jesus made, or that Peter made about Jesus, you are the Messiah, that's just code word for you're the Christ, you're the anointed one, you're the king of the Jews, you're the one that we've been waiting for to redeem and restore Israel, you're the one that's going to set up your kingdom and, and you're going to overthrow Rome and, and you're going to rule and you're going to return Israel to its former glory. In fact, I think Peter kind of in the back of his mind, he's thinking, why do you think we've given up everything in our business to follow you? Because we think that you're going to return Israel to its former glory. You're, you're going to overthrow Rome. So while Peter is over here focused on how following Jesus is going to benefit him and what he thinks that Jesus or following Jesus are going to be the perks, Jesus wants Peter to understand, not just Peter, but the rest of the disciples as well, the price of following him. Notice verse 31. Then he began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise 
again. Notice this next verse. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You just gotta love Peter, don't you? I mean, think about what Peter does here. Jesus is up there preaching, and Peter pulls him aside and says, hey, Jesus, I am really sorry to interrupt this less than inspiring sermon of yours, but um, have you been like struggling lately, like mentally, emotionally, like, like are, are you just been struggling? I mean, but let's just get away from the crowd and, and have this conversation. Because I understand that public loyalty equals private leverage, but here, here's what I'm feeling. You, you just seem to be struggling with your teaching today. I mean, are, are you really feeling okay? Because if you keep talking this way, you're gonna run off this big crowd and you're gonna lose all your momentum that you're gaining so you can overthrow Rome. I mean, like Jesus, you're really famous right now and I'm kind of famous right now and John's pretty famous right now, but he's not as famous as I'm famous. You know, everybody knows who Peter is, right? I mean, but look at this crowd, Jesus. Everybody's listening to you. Don't mess it up. These are your people. You need these people to overthrow Rome. Besides, after all, I just identified that you're the Messiah of the world. You're the king. And you agreed. That's who you are. I mean, Jesus, I watched you. You controlled a storm with just your words. I watched you heal the sick by just a touch. I mean, nobody's powerful enough to kill you. So enough with this dying talk. Let's be more positive and talk about how we're going to overthrow Rome. Well, notice this Jesus' response in verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Translation, Peter, you're enjoying following me. It's worked out for you pretty well so far. I mean, you've definitely ripped a lot of benefits, but you're thinking like a consumer. Like you, Peter, are focused right now on what you can gain and what you can get from following me, but you're not yet willing to pay the price when following me is going to cost you something. You need to recognize the consumer mentality that is in your heart. And you know what? As important as it was for Peter to hear this pointed reminder, it's just as important for all of us who call our, ourselves followers of Jesus to hear this as well. I mean, Jesus says to Peter, hey, you're not a serious follower of me. You're just a fan. You're just a consumer. You're just a spectator. I mean, even though you're hanging out with me day after day, you're still making this all about you. You're making this about how you are going to benefit from following me. As I said, that's where many of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus really find ourselves when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. We see him as one with authority. We don't see him as our authority. And this is why I believe that Jesus' question to each of us is to consider, is this, are you truly a follower or are you just a consumer and a spectator? If you were in a conversation like Peter was with Jesus, what would he say to you? Hey, you're just a fan. You're just a consumer. You're just a spectator. Or would he see you as a follower? And then Jesus, he uses this moment 
as these disciples are processing this, and he does a lesson for everybody there, and he challenges them to commit to becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. Notice verse 34. Here's what it says. And then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And when Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow the crowd took it literally because, see, they lived in a world where people carried their crosses and they were crucified. So they knew that when Jesus said this, that Jesus was calling to them, them to some kind of dying to self. And for Jesus and many of his earlier followers, what this meant was physical death, giving up their lives physically. Now, the good news for us, we probably won't have to die on a cross, but I think we all certainly can relate to the tension that it creates when we have to deny ourselves, when we have to say no to ourselves in order to follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus, don't miss what I'm about to say here, to follow Jesus means we'll have to lose some things, we'll have to let go of some things, we have to deny ourselves, we have to say no to ourselves to say yes to him. And what that means for us is this, the essence of following Jesus is self-denial, not self-improvement. And that is where so many of us are confused about following Jesus because we think coming to church is about self-improvement. If I come long enough, then I can improve myself long enough. As I heard Adrian Rogers say years ago, he made this statement. He says that God doesn't call us to be, trans, to be to change self-improvement steps from like a tadpole to a, a frog. No, what God's transformation is, is that we are transformed from a frog by the kiss of grace to a son or a daughter of God. That's the radical transformation. And that's what we're saying here. The essence of following Jesus, it's self-denial, not self improvement. And that is so counterintuitive to us as American Christians. I mean, we're all about things getting better. And Jesus isn't about, isn't against things getting better for you. But what Jesus is absolutely saying is that for things to get better, you've got to decide once and for all who is going to call the shots in your life because you can't follow Jesus and be in charge of your own life. Jesus is saying, hey, if you're not recognizing me as your king, then you're not a follower. Until you decide that you're willing to sacrifice your way for my way, then you're not a follower. In fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said it this way, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And when we understand this about following Jesus, this is the moment where we all, and even this crowd went, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. I'm not so sure that I'm game for denying myself and losing so much. I'm not sure it's really worth that. Maybe this is where I just kind of slip off and, and, and just quit this following Jesus thing. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he says this in verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. To which most of us would say, yeah, that would be me, Jesus. 
I, I, would, I would prefer saving my life than losing my life. I mean, I'm doing everything I can to save my life. It's why I eat the way that I do. It's why it's exercise the way that I do. It's why I obsess about every ache or little pain in my life. I want to save my life. And you know what? Human common sense would say, if I choose to save my life, if I choose me first, then I'll get the life I want, right? And Jesus comes along and says, actually, no. And trying to make life about you, you're going to lose the life that you're trying to get. Notice the last part of this verse. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel's sake will save it. Now, here's the thing. When most of us read this verse, we don't see this verse as an invitation to something better for our lives. Most of us see this as a cost factor. But what we don't realize is this is an invitation to something much better for our lives. See, in our minds, we think, how is losing my life for Jesus and the gospel message sake a path to something better? But Jesus comes along and he says, whoever chooses to deny themselves, to say no to themselves and yes to me, when they face that crossroad in their life, whoever says no to themselves about how they define life, whoever gives up their desires, their dreams, their agenda, even their idea of ministry as they may have designed it, whoever does that, he says, for me and for the gospel's sake, he says they actually saved their life. They gained the life that they wanted. They're going to experience the better abundant life in the long run that I've promised them because what they'll be doing is they're going to be choosing what they want most, that abundant life over what they want right now. And then Jesus, he asks this very brilliant question to help us understand this in verse 36. Notice how he says it. <clears throat> he says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I mean, this is so great how Jesus goes around about helping them to see the reality of what he's saying. It's almost like Jesus is saying to them, hey, let's play imagine. Let's play this imagination kind of game. Let's imagine that you had, let's just say it to all of you at all of our churches, Let's imagine that you had the chance to gain the whole world. You had the chance to gain everything you've ever wanted in the world. All the wealth, all the pleasure, all the fame, all the fortune, all the prestige, whatever position you've ever longed for in your life. I mean, it was your position. You had the office you wanted. You had the personnel you wanted. You had everything you wanted, anything that you ever dreamed of. Anything that you thought would ever make you great and fulfilled and satisfied. Imagine that you had that opportunity. But to gain that, that thing that you always wanted, that prestige, that prominence, that position, that power, whatever it is, to gain that, you had to give up your soul. Would you make that trade? Would it be worth that kind of trade? And we all know the answer to that is no. And here's why. Because when you get to the end of your life, you'll lose everything you gained in the world because everything that you ever gain in this world, it is always temporary. And you will have traded away the thing that will last for eternity, your soul. 
And Jesus is helping us understand that when we are wrestling and we're resisting giving up something that's temporary, something that we're gonna lose anyway, the reality is we're trading what we will lose to gain what will last for all eternity. And see, we think Jesus is trying to take something of value from us when he's actually trying to give us something of much greater eternal value. Jesus says, I have something better for you, so much better than what you feel that you're having to give up to follow me right now. But it's gonna require you to deny yourself. It's gonna require you to die to yourself. It's gonna require you to say, Jesus, you are Lord and King, and I fully submit to you. So Jesus is saying, deny yourself now or lose yourself later. Those are our two choices. See, at some point along your journey, you're, you're gonna understand this tension that salvation is free, it costs me nothing. But following Jesus is gonna cost me everything. And you're gonna find yourself at that crossroad where Jesus asks you to say no to you and to trust him 100%. And it's gonna feel like the riskiest move that you'll ever make. It's gonna feel like the death of a dream or a vision to you. It's gonna feel like that you're giving up something very valuable to you, the thing that you thought would give you life. But in the process of that, it's gonna feel like a moral imperative. It's gonna feel like a right and wrong that you've got no other decision and you've gotta make this and surrender everything and say, Jesus, I give up everything to follow you and you'll know I either do this and keep following or I don't do this and I stop following. I can't pretend anymore. And what you do in that moment is a defining moment for you. And some of you, you aren't there right now, and that's fine. You're gonna know it when you get there. You cannot miss it. It becomes the greatest battle for your soul. And I watch so many people who call themselves followers of Christ, and they think if they change their circumstance or their situation in life or their position or their role or responsibility or their place, that all of that tension would go away. And really, it's Jesus saying, will you surrender to me? Will you die to yourself? Because if you don't learn it here, you're gonna to have to learn it the next place. Now, some of you, as I'm talking this morning, you're in shock because you're at that moment right now and you know you've got a decision to make. You know that you're right at the crossroads of this decision. Do I follow Jesus or do I walk away? Because there's no more pretending. And everything in you, it wants to retreat. It wants to go back and it wants to do what every, so many, I should say, so many Christians in America have done is sit in church and pretend that I'm a follower while I'm really a consumer and a spectator. But I'm gonna tell you, you will not regret if you choose to say, Jesus, I'm all in. Because Jesus said, 
I have come to reverse the order of everything. And I know it sounds counterintuitive to die to yourself in order to live, to say no to self in order to experience abundant life. But here's what I know from the own personal experience of my life and from seeing so many people live this out. I'm telling you, the place of surrender is the place where you experience Jesus in a powerful way. That's the only way you're gonna experience the abundant life of Jesus. Because here's the thing, following Jesus is gonna cost you something, but refusing to follow Jesus always costs you more. Don't miss that. Refusing to follow Jesus, it always costs you more. And you know what it costs you? It costs you the abundant life. It costs you the fruitful life. See, if, if you get to that crossroad and you say no to Jesus and you just say, I'm gonna keep being a pretender, I'm gonna be a consumer and spectator, you will become the most miserable individual on planet Earth because you're always caught in this tension at this crossroad. And that's where you stay and that's where you stop. Of I should, I should, but I don't want to. I don't wanna die to me. But Jesus promises, if you will ever take the step and trust me 100%, you'll experience a life of, of abundance that is so different, so much better than anything you ever imagined or any story you ever told yourself in your head. And you'll know Jesus in a way that is far more personal than you ever imagined Jesus could be personal. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus can't be personal until you get rid of your ego and die to yourself. Because as I said a few weeks ago, ego means edging God out. So deny yourself and follow. Because here's the reality. Whether you recognize Jesus as your king or not, he is the last king. I mean, think about it. He is the only king that has ever risen from the dead. He's the only king that is gonna reign forever. His is an eternal kingdom. So Jesus is the king who came to reverse the order of everything, including who's in charge of your life and my life. And the good news is that Jesus has been trustworthy in the past and Jesus is gonna be trustworthy in the future as well. Our king can be trusted and he's worthy of following. Do you know why we know that? Because no other king would kneel to wash my feet and your feet. No other king would take up a cross and die for me and die for you. No other king would look at me and see all the sin in my life and respond with mercy in the face of my sin. No other king would love like the love that my Jesus has for me and for you. And you know what, folks? That's why forever all of my hope is in no other king but Jesus. And I pray that will be true for every one of you. And so in just a moment, I'm gonna pray for us. And the bands are gonna come out all of our campuses. And they're gonna sing this song, No Other King. And for many of you, this is your crossroads moment. I'm either all in or I'm a pretender. There, there's no two options. That, I don't know, no other, other than those two options that you make the commitment, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you as my leader and my king. And I'm telling you folks, why would you make that decision? Because he's a king that's trustworthy. I mean, it's the only way to have the life that your heart so deeply desires. It's the only way to experience abundance and joy and fruitfulness and stability. But you gotta die to you. 
You got to die to all your dreams, all your goals, everything that you ever believed that you had in your head, all the stories you told you yourself. And so many times people look at me and say, Paul, um, that's easy for you to say because you didn't have to die to your dreams. Let me just say something. I've died to a thousand dreams. I never dreamed of doing this. I had to die to me to be willing to do this. My wife will tell you, for years and years, I fought going in ministry. And then when I got in ministry, I was never gonna be full-time. I was gonna have a business and be bivocational because I was still gonna be able to do my thing. And my wife will tell you how many years I fought it until I died to self. And then I look back and go, wow, I'm not doing what I ever dreamed of doing, but I'm doing more than I ever dreamed of doing. And that's what God wants for all of you as well. Will you pray with me? God, I just pray that as the bands come out and uh, sing this next song and lead us in this moment of just reflection and contemplation. God, I just believe there's so many people listening right now that are at a crossroads. People who said they've been a follower and, and they've kind of been a casual follower. They've even let you get in their boat. They, they've done ministry for you, but they've never died to self. Others who are saying, I, I wanna do this Jesus thing, I want the benefits, but today realizing it's all in or nothing. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit during this song will inform us at a new level that our King is trustworthy. He can be trusted. Because while it requires us to die to live, which is so counterintuitive, and it requires us to die to our desires, our dreams, our goals, our ambitions, when we die to self. Yeah, we probably will never live out the dream that we had for our lives. But we will experience a life that is more abundant and greater than we ever dreamed. So I just pray that this will be the moment that people will make the decision because they know you love them, you care about them, and you can be trusted. To say, Jesus, today, I follow you because there's no other king that is worthy of following. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.